Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Johnny Washington, who is the director of hitting for the San Diego Padres. Uh, Jay Wash is one of the most well-respected coaches and people in all of baseball. He is actually originally from Compton, California, and was fortunate enough to be able to play professional baseball um, in the Rangers, Dodgers, and even had a, a few stints in independent baseball as well. He began his coaching career in the Dodgers organization, where he spent seven seasons as a hitting coach from rookie ball all the way up to AAA. In 2016, he joined the Padres organization, and the next year he was in the big leagues as the first base coach. Um, In 2018, he became the assistant MLB hitting coach, and in 2019, he was the MLB hitting coach for the San Diego Padres. Um, Jay Wash brings an incredible perspective to the game. He has a, a ton of experience in baseball. But he's someone I respect so much because he has an open mind and wants to continually push himself and learn and get better every day. And to me, that's just a sign of someone who's going to be successful in this game and really in life for a really long time. In this episode, he talks about his background, why timing is so important in coaching, the mental game, and how to help a hitter who is struggling with plate discipline. Um, And I think this is just going to be an awesome, awesome episode for uh, you guys out there and girls to um, enjoy listening to. And um, I had a blast doing this with with, uh, Johnny. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is Johnny Washington. All right, we are now live with Johnny Washington, who's the director of hitting for the San Diego Padres. Uh, Jay Wash, thanks for coming on today, man. Oh, Patrick, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to talk with you and and and, and shed some some different ideas uh, to those who are listening. Yeah, man, me me too. And uh, you know, it, I remember telling you this, uh, you know, off the air when we first started talking about, you know, the, the first time I actually became aware of you was. Uh, when I was uh, watching the All-Star Game uh, Home Run Derby in my living room uh, a few years back when, when the All-Star Game was in Cincinnati, and, uh, you know, you were throwing throwing batting practice in the Home Run Derby to uh, to Jock Peterson, and, and my first thought was, this guy can throw some BP. And so, and I think, you you know, you would like that just because as a coach, uh, that's sometimes the first thing we go to is not even necessarily the swing, but like, what's his BP like? He's like, oh, this guy can throw some good BP. <laughs> <laughs> no man, you, I mean Patrick, you you understand. I mean, being in a in a hitting role, that throwing BP, uh, it's a it's a joy. Uh, a lot of coaches enjoy throwing and getting out there on that bump and throwing. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, Jock gave me an opportunity uh, to join him uh, at the All Star festivities with with him. It was a complete uh, shock and honor for me uh, to be a part of such a special event. There was a ton of talent there on both sides of the diamond. And I was just like a kid, uh, just enjoying the opportunity to to be around that much talent in one place at one time. Uh, it was a great experience for me. And very, very thankful uh, for Jot uh, and the opportunity he, he gave me to be a part of that. Man. I'm very, very grateful for that. What was it like uh, throwing BP, um, but there's no net or anything behind um, the hitter, like it's just you and the hitter and a catcher. Oh, you know, Patrick, 
that was one of the most terrifying things uh, <laughs> during a commercial break. Uh, I got a chance to kind of get a few warm-ups. And believe it or not, man, the first ball I threw, I spiked it right in front of the really? catcher. And the crowd went crazy. Yeah, man. And it was it was a fun experience then. And then, and then you know, they, they, they give you the countdown. Uh, and then from there, it's, it's, it's game on. And uh, obviously, it went pretty well. And I found a groove there. Uh, Jock helped out on a, on a ton of pitches that, that I felt he shouldn't have offered that, but he drove him out of the ballpark, and uh, it was a great time. It was a great experience, but throwing without a, without a turtle is for sure something that, that that's different. Uh, you have the catcher there, and then it became just a game of, of just how many strikes can you just throw and fill up the zone, and uh, so I turned it into a, a game, uh, tried to clear out some of the noise, uh, but even so, man, it's, it's so hard to clear out the noise when you have, you know, 40,000 people screaming, yelling, you got players on both sides watching, uh, you know, you got the audience, people messaging you back home and things like that. It was a great experience. When I, I believe Jock and I enjoyed it. It's a memorable experience. It's, it's, it's one for sure. I won't forget. Uh, and and uh, so far, man, it's been a highlight, one of the highlights uh, of my career. That's awesome. And actually, I just thought of a question, a follow-up question uh, to that. You know, we have a lot of coaches at, at various levels uh, that are going to listen to this, from professional down to youth coaches as well. And and, and one of the things that is hard for a lot of coaches is throwing batting practice, you know, making sure um, you know, it's something that they can hit, not too fast, not too slow. Um, have you always been someone who can throw good batting practice, or is it something that, you know, you've received, you know, tips along the way, or just is there anything, any advice you could give, um, you know, some of the, the coaches out there listening on how to throw better BP? You know, in fact, that's a, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and when I think about, you know, how the BP stroke came about, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be around some, to have been around and be around some really good coaches, uh, that can throw good BP. Uh, there's some tips in there. Uh, for me, it all starts with, with rhythm and understanding, just try and locate the ball, you know, right into a zone where you feel comfortable. Cause at the end of the day, man, all hitters are different. You know, some of them like the ball up, some like it down, but every hitter enjoys the ball right down the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you talk about just learning to throw, I think it's a repetition thing. Uh, it's a feel thing. Uh, and, it, and it's truly an art. Uh, for those of you out there who have trouble uh, throwing BP uh, and it's fine, it's very, very difficult, my recommendation would be just keep throwing, keep throwing, keep throwing. Um, at times, uh, you want to have a target back there with a – with a dot or, or image of a catcher back there, you may want to find a spot, pick a spot, uh, and throw to that spot and kind of ignore the hitter. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is enjoy it, have fun while you're doing it, and, it, and it's not as easy as, as some make it look. That's great stuff. I, uh, I, you know, I've done over 160 of these, and I can't believe I've never – even you know really thought of asking that and then it just kind of clicked I was like oh man like you throw great BP obviously even just even in the all-star game uh, watching you I was like I, you're the man to ask so I'm glad you, I'm glad I thought of that I'm, I appreciate you answering it um and for those who don't know could you give everyone maybe a, just a little bit of, of your background um just maybe like a, a just a short kind of summary of it yeah um from the LA area I'm from Compton uh got a chance to go off and play junior college baseball and got drafted uh, out of there by the Texas Rangers uh, back in 2003. 
Uh, played a little bit of minor league baseball. Uh, had a few stints in independent ball. Uh, and I began my coaching career shortly after my playing career in 2009. Uh, and since 2009, uh, I've been able to, uh, like I mentioned earlier, meet, meet some really good people. Uh, I'm fortunate to have some great teachers along the way that have mentored, guided me, uh, challenged me, and have helped me uh, move in different roles and different capacities uh, throughout this game. And I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, and I'm very grateful of the game of baseball. It's been very, very good to me. And, you know, when you look back, um, the road travel uh, has never traveled alone. And uh, you have to always, you know, take a step back and, and be grateful for those who came before you and those who passed along uh, a lot of the things, either when you were a player uh, and even as a younger coach. Uh, I'm very, very grateful uh, for the journey that I've traveled thus far. What was uh, what, what what was it like, kind of playing in the minor leagues um, as a player, and more specifically, I I should ask, how do you know when it's time to give up playing as a player? Patrick, I think that's a that's a crossroad that I think we all uh, who are, all those have put on spikes um, at some point uh, come across uh, whether you were really good player or you weren't as good of a player. Uh, I think it's one of those deals where just you just self-reflect. Um, you ask questions. I think a lot of times, you know, I can't speak to this. I'm just going off experience and listening to other guys who I've watched uh, who play for a long time, turn into spikes. Uh, physically, they just believe that, that they're just incapable of, of playing at the level of excellence. Uh, that they believe they should be playing at uh, and executing at. In my case, uh, I wasn't a very good baseball player uh, at the professional level, uh, but I had just enjoyed the game. And there came a point in time uh, where I had a manager uh, by the name of Carlos Subero. Uh, he asked me what I wanted to do after I was done playing. And I told him I want to continue playing, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no." I'm asking, "What would you like to do if you took off this fight?" I told him, "I don't, I don't, I don't know yet. I haven't gotten there yet." Uh, and there came a point in time, uh, after a few stints of playing for Carlos Subero in a ball, uh, he made reference to uh, maybe I should transition into being a, a coach. And it wasn't an easy conversation, but it was an honest conversation, which I greatly appreciated. Uh, looking back on it at the time, I, I wasn't ready for it. Um, but one thing I can say Carlos uh, did for me, uh, he asked me at a very young age uh, what I wanted to do uh, while I was still playing. I said I wanted to play in the major leagues. And he was honest, uh, and he says, you're short on talent, but I'm not going to coach the talent. I'm going to coach the uh, actual dream that you have. Mm. And from that day forward, Carlos pushed me. He pushed me, and when there was a day where he felt like I didn't uh, meet the expectation or meet the bar, he said, Johnny, you asked me uh, would I go hard, would I push you? And I said, I did. He said, those were your choices. Those were your ideas. He said, I told you I'm going to stick to that. I said, Carlos, but I'm not playing. He said, we're not coaching 
if you're playing, you asked me to coach your actual dream. And I gave you my word, I would coach the actual dream. And from that day forward, uh, Carlos coached my dream, which is to play in the major leagues. And it was a tough conversation uh, when him and I sat down and, and went over the reasons why he felt like I should jump into coaching at the, at the time. And he felt like the timing was uh, right. And I went in for it, man. And it was a great opportunity. It was a great start. I enjoyed it. And like I mentioned earlier, just the love for the game was one reason why I got into coaching. Wow, that I guess it, that, you know, just listening to you tell that story, it, it makes me realize like how big of an impact coaches can have. I mean, here you know you've been coaching for several several years now, and you're you able to identify and say almost word for word exactly what he was you know saying to you all those years ago, and that's pretty cool to hear. Um, when you first started coaching in a daughter's organization, you know, first year. Was it? Did you miss playing at all? And was there an adjustment to just being in a different a coaching role versus player role? I think for anybody, there's always an adjustment period that has to take place. Uh, looking back on it, uh, I feel like I was doing the right thing at the right time. Uh, I wanted to make sure that when I started coaching that I had a pure heart, that I was uh, able to be a – serviceable uh, piece uh, and you know I wanted to I, I understood that I was in a position uh, where uh, I was giving instead of receiving you know as a as a, as a player uh, we're always receiving different things we're receiving information and I felt like from a coaching standpoint it was it was time to to give um, and I felt like my heart was was ready to just you know give we talk about uh, being a servant leadership and that was one of my goals early as a coach is try and find a way just, just to serve others and, and learn to take second place uh, instead of always wanting to be first. Uh, so that was something that I consciously uh, wanted to make an effort uh, to do because I felt like as a player, those were the best coaches that I've had. And those coaches um, were able to connect with players uh, and move the needle with players due, due to the fact that, that they were um, – able to service the player so I think that's the biggest key there is just learning to service the players early um, and be there for them and 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 learn different ways different techniques uh, that the player responds with you've been you've been able to coach now for several years professionally and just looking back um, at your time coaching um, in the minor leagues you know what what if you could go back would you change anything you did or uh, correct any mistakes you know, there's a there's a ton of mistakes made uh, that I had made, honestly, uh, early on, and I continue to make them. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a learn on the on the job type of gig, uh, but there's but that well, that comes with experience, and I believe that you know you as you grow, um, you may learn to change some of the thoughts you had, some of the m- methods you may have believed in as a coach that you found to work. Uh, in the previous year with players, it may not work the next year. So it's a it's a constant adjustment uh, for coaches and for players year to year, um, while still trying to maintain those foundational pieces uh, that you have built. Um, but I think the biggest key there uh, would just be learning to accept that you know there there there's common ground there between both player and coach. Uh, both have to remain flexible. Uh, and what they do and and respect each other's craft 
um, and understand that we're both going to make mistakes. Neither of us are uh, are perfect. Uh, but one thing is, is I think it's common there that both player and coach both uh, are given a, a high-level effort uh, and both are seeking the exact same goal, and, and that's and that's what's best for the player. Love that answer. Do, do you feel like it was harder – I want to make sure I phrase this right. Do you, do, you, do you feel like as a coach, as a young coach – it was harder to teach the mechanics of the swing and really kind of break down what was going on or understanding how to connect with your player and understanding, you know, the different type of, of people you're kind of dealing with and building that relationship. Cause I feel like for some different people, maybe it's one or the other. You know what, Patrick, I think those, both of those key points um, that you alluded to, are very, very critical and, and crucial in a coach's development and a player development. But I think the biggest one you mentioned there is just a player-coach relationship. Um, that has to be built. Um, and I think over over time, I think it's built just off being honest first uh, and having an open, honest, uh, two-way highway with, with the player. Um, I understand there's some absolutes that have to be done at a certain level, uh, and things that are non-negotiable. But I think the higher you move, just the player relationship and the connection that's built uh, creates a a line, if you will, or just an opening uh, for for trust on on both parts. Uh, and and then I think the mechanical pieces, those can be added uh, once you have established uh, that trust, that relationship. Because if there's no trust and there's no relationship, you know, how much you know, it doesn't really matter to a player until they know how much you care. Mm. And I know we've heard it a ton of times about, you know, in in my in my eyes, I would say, you know, you want to love the player. You want to love the player. You want you want them to feel loved and cared for. Uh, and from there, you know, that's where the teaching really, really opens up. Because now, um, on the player's part, you understand that this guy's in it for for me. Uh, there's we all have an ego. Uh, but he's he's able to put his ego aside uh, and actually dig in deep and and find out what's best for the player and where the player's at and where they want to go and then help the player move that needle uh, to where they want to want to go. And so I personally believe in creating a foundational uh, relationship uh, with respect and honesty on both parts. Um, that way you can have a good working relationship and and we understand that that we're all trying to move this needle in the right direction and move the same way. We're pushing together, not pushing against each other. That's great stuff. If there's if there's going to be coaches out there um, who maybe are, are just kind of embarking on, on their coaching journey and they hear about relationships uh, with players and building that trust, kind of what you're just talking about, and they've never really coached very much before. Like, how should they go about building that relationship? I mean, how do you? How would you approach like a player? Like, and this may seem kind of elementary, but again, for for coaches out there who are going to be listening to this, who are just starting out, you know, they may not know. The the, the best advice I can give would, would be a great observer, be a great listener, um, and then be able to discuss. Uh, and convey your message or whatever that is. But first and foremost, you have to understand uh, where the player is at. You have to meet the player where he's at and understand uh, what he wants, what he values, uh, what his desires are. Uh, 
what his habits are before you can just uh, speak your piece. Uh, I think the, the, the biggest uh, attribute I think that a lot of great coaches have and all of them may have would be that uh, they're able to listen uh, and then they're able to communicate. I think those two things are, are huge because at the end of the day, you want to be able to listen to your athlete, listen to your player and figure out, you know, where they're at and figure out if there's an adjustment that needs to be made that can help their game or if they're on the right path and you just need to continue to encourage them to continue the things uh, that they've started. One of the things that you mentioned earlier uh, was kind of, we were talking about mechanics and, um, and I had read that you've, you know, you're friends with Craig Wallenbrock out in California and, and, you know, we've gotten pretty close to him. Um, I know you obviously can't share everything that he has kind of, you know, I'm sure taught, taught you and you guys talk about it and things like that, but is there anything um, uh, kind of that, you know, you've like learned from him that could be applied at the high school or college level? You know, Craig's very impressive. Uh, presence is felt. There's a, there's a, there's a strong voice there. But then again, there's the ability to adapt. Uh, he remains flexible, great listener, great communicator. Uh, he involves those around him. Uh, so he's, he's, he's good with it, including uh, different ideas and different thoughts and things that may uh, be different than his that, that may help the actual hitter uh, become better. Uh, the idea part, uh, he doesn't really care too much whose idea it is. He's, he's big on just helping the uh, hitter. Um, and, and, and when you talk about just the mechanical uh, pieces uh, that Craig shares uh, on a daily basis, uh, what, what, what makes him great is it's really that he's able to keep hitting uh, in his most simplistic form. Uh, when you talk about just the body movements, uh, he, he, he's, he's always trying to find a way to get the hitter uh, in their respective uh, best position to hit on time. Uh, and be able to get off their A swing uh, most of the time uh, and be able to adjust to different pitches. Um, Craig has been doing it for a very long time at a, at a very high level with a lot of different uh, hitters of different styles. Um, but he's also found a way uh, systematically uh, to make it very, very simple for hitters to grasp and understand kind of the movements of their own body. Yeah, success uh, leads clues, and, and Craig's had a, a ton of success, you know, working with players over the years. Um, you know, one of the questions that I, I sometimes have people send in, and I figured I'd ask you, was um, you know how to help players, young players, with the mental game, um, which is obviously easier said than done, and it's you know the, the confidence issue and just approach and everything like that. It, it takes, I'm sure, it does take time. But do you have any advice on um, how to help? help those kids out with the mental game? First, first key point, I think it's, 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 it's talked about a lot, is that this game is hard. Uh, we have all know that this, this game is really, really hard. Um, a reference, and, I, and I'll use his name on this, on this podcast, a uh, guy by the name of Steve Springer, uh, he talks about having quality at-bats uh, and, and just changing what you call success. Uh, I know a lot of people believe in, and and it's it's fact that you know the more hits you get, the better you are, and things like that. But there can be a day where 
you may square up three baseballs and all three are caught and you're 0 for 3 for that day. Uh, but if your goals going into that game uh, were to uh, swing at strikes, put barrel the ball, uh, and hammer balls hard, I call that a three for three day, even though result-wise the outcome uh, didn't go your way. And, and one thing we have to understand also is, is that, you know, we don't have control of the outcome of if the defender makes a play, if they don't make a play. Only thing we can do as, as offensive players would be to manage the strike zone, swing at the right pitches that we believe we can handle, and play hard. Those are, the, you know, those are in its most simplistic form, the only things that we can control. Once the ball leaves the bat, we have no control other than that. We now become a batter runner, and we transition to becoming a base runner. You know, so just understand the game is hard, control what you can, and have fun. Beautifully said. I know you have kids of your own, and if your kids, you know, are are playing baseball at a young age, I mean, are are you just kind of what you just kind of said right there? Just want them to have fun and play hard, or is there specific stuff you think all kids should should work on? Regardless of level of of, of, of play uh, or whatever we choose to do in life, if you're not having fun with it, you're not doing the right thing. Uh, I believe it's a it's a it's a kid's game that 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 grown men get a chance to play. Uh, it's 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 meant to be fun. It's meant to be in a, in a entertainment. Uh, it's meant to have passion in there. And, and I just believe you know baseball is a fun game. It's a it's a, it's a fun sport. And you want to make sure that anything you decide to to move forward with that you're having fun and and it's very very enjoyable. What do you what do you make of of everyone? Um, it seems like uh, wanting to focus. And I know I talked a little bit too, a little bit earlier about mechanics, but you know, focus a lot on mechanics. You see this a lot online with with players and, and slow motion, and, and I'm guilty of it too, just because it, it can be fun to talk about at times. But um, do you think we as an industry are focused too much on mechanics and not enough on approach and game planning and things like that? Uh, I'm not sure if if it's one way or the other. I I I, I personally believe that the two are are married um, in a sense. Um, I do understand, and I believe that regardless of hitter, uh, I think the best hitters in the game manage the strike zone, control the control the strike zone. Uh, when we talk about from an approach standpoint. Uh, from a mechanical standpoint, I think it's just style related. Uh, you know, it's, it's what you believe in. It's, it's you know, we're all different movers and different ways of thinking about how to approach certain things. I don't, you know, it, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to go uh, with how you teach or how the guy wants to move. But I do think uh, the body has to move e- efficiently uh, to deliver uh, that hitter's uh, best swing. Love that, Jay Wash. I you know I really appreciate you you coming on the show. Uh, this has been awesome, and and you know you've you've already you know just talked so much in this episode and given away a, a lot of you know really good tips to young coaches out there with with young kids. And um, again, just really appreciate it, man. Oh, Patrick, thanks for having me, man. I I, I appreciate it. Uh, and for those of you who are, who are listening, thanks for taking the time uh, to listen uh, to some of the few things that I have to offer. Thank you, Patrick. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.